0: and you're listening to Molly Huddle, Alicia Montano, and Roisin Magedigan-Dumas.
1: We want to highlight the important topics, inspiring stories, and amazing women in sport.
0: We're three Olympians from two countries, two moms, and one current pro coming together to talk about issues we're passionate about in the sports world.
2: And we care about the current and future landscape of women's sports. And this is just how we're keeping track.
1: Welcome back to Keeping Track. In this episode, number 14, we talk to Alphine Tilliamuk, 10-time U.S. champion, including the recent U.S. Olympic Trials Marathon. We talk to Alphine about the uncertainty of future races during the coronavirus outbreak, how an unlikely craft has helped her stay positive throughout injuries and anxious times and even grown into a business, how she views coming from Kenya to America, her experience of being between two worlds, her appreciation for the opportunities she's had here, our thoughts on changing allegiances, and what it's like for a woman in rural Kenya today. Thanks for keeping track with us. Okay, welcome back to episode 14 of Keeping Track. I'm here with Alicia and Roshin. How are you ladies doing?
2: Oh my goodness, who should start?
1: <laughs>
0: Good to well, be you guys, that's all I know.
1: Alicia, let's start with you. How are you doing with the new family member?
2: Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Um, so we've clearly taken a, quick, a little bit of a break. Thank you, everybody, for just hanging tight with us as Molly was in her final phases of training for the Olympic trials. And then um, I was taking my beginning maternity leave, um, just preparing for this third child that is now here. We have Lennox hmm. Leonotis Montano. We call him Lennox Leo um, because we, it's funny because we picked the middle name. Um, because all of our kids are flower names and so we just didn't like love the middle name for the first name, <laughs> but we had to throw it in there. So Leonotis is like a lion like flower just in case anybody cares. Oh, um I like that,
0: yeah. Yeah. Like that. Like that. Yeah.
2: yeah. So Lennox Leo. Um we are doing pretty well. Like our our kids are so excited about the new edition. Like I knew Aster was gonna be very he's a very loving like kid. He loves whenever we have visitors over, they're like his best friend. He wants to sit on you know, random strangers laugh. So you have to teach him stranger danger. Um, And uh, so with Lennox as a new addition. He's just like all hands on deck. He's ready to be big brother. We're excited about that. Um, And I've, I've had a pretty interesting time. I think I've had all my kids have been pretty interesting, emotional, like after um, having my, my child, especially like Linnea first time was my first kid and then trying to get back into training and then, kind of feeling pretty good about where I was putting myself mentally with her until I got a phone call saying that I was going to get cut Um, if I couldn't make the World championship team. And that was like, you know, one that kind of was on the back end of that in terms of, you know, blues or anything like that. And then
0: stressful at all.
2: (laughs) Yeah, not stressful at all. And then after I felt like I had so much going on, I could not slow down because I really couldn't. We had this like crazy things that were happening, especially since we didn't I didn't have a contract or anything like that. I had to kind of keep going. So this one, I feel like it's been really interesting that it's I've had baby blues like so I feel like soon. I don't know if it's soon for other people or not. Um two weeks postpartum and I think part of it for me is because I am such a goer that I slowed down a ton. Um and then I just was already socially distanced before this whole thing. And so it just hit me all of a sudden Um, and I just, I was pretty down because I hadn't slept (laughs) in a long time and I know. Right. And we were having these middle of the night bouts where I was walking my backyard for two hours in the middle of the night from two to four. So that wasn't fun. Um, and then just when that started to kind of just make me feel like I was an inadequate human, um, I got the clearance to start exercising and endorphins do wonders by the way, for, everyone I really think that it would I mean that's just what the the makeup of that chemical is within your body and um so being able to ramp that up has changed a whole lot for me still I'm struggling with the social distancing clearly Mm haha everybody I think we're all kind of going through it unless you really 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 love alone time but um yeah so we're getting through and I'm very happy to be ramping up and working up a sweat and I think that um I do I am using the tools that I've learned as being a professional athlete in terms of flexing your mental muscle to kind of direct yourself into what you want in terms of, you know, I can't be like, who wants to be my friend, you know, (laughs) Uh, and not to, you guys, I'm making fun of myself, not minimizing baby blues or PPD. It's serious and it's real. I just go to comical relief when I know that I'm being, uh, that I'm having a hard time. So, Mm -hmm. um, but Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm doing better. And I'm happy to be chatting with you guys, even though uh, Lennox does not want me to be talking while I nurse. So,
1: <laughs> well, it's a hard yeah. time too to have a third baby. When you mentioned your childcare has shut down, yes, um, yes. because of the coronavirus stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So it's like all hands on deck. No, not much family helping. I'm sure a lot of people are in this situation. Just the For kids sure. are home, and it's hard with the newborn.
2: Yeah. Yes, definitely. And we were planning that Lou was going to be able to help me in the morning. He dropped Linnea. Linnea takes the bus to school. He dropped Astor off two days out of the week to um, his preschool. And those days would be really hands on for him. And then all of a sudden we've had this quarantine where the morning Lou's helping out by being able to take the kids on their social distancing adventure to get their wiggles out and, you know, kind of balance out our family a little bit. So. Um, I know I've got I told Lou I was like one week down he's like it's been three days and I was like cool <laughs> <laughs> it feels like you know you have Thursday Friday normally then a weekend so I'm like okay I try to think about it like we hit hump day so I don't know yeah, yeah. but in the Bay Area we have 21 day it's a 21 day lockdown so mm-hmm. yeah I'm just gonna try to stay positive and maybe we'll do some more scheduling of podcasts
0: well if you want any like funny memes that's one thing I am loaded up on right now because mm-hmm. the way that Irish people like to cope with stress is just one yeah. out of it <laughs> and like yeah so, besides like I get like texts about crazy news things and then straight away I'll have like three memes that are just like, cracking me up and it's it's definitely a good coping strategy to like buffer the stress but mm-hmm. so, I was looking for a few walking forward them along and yeah, going, walk, going go in, navigating like homeschooling. And mm-hmm. it's just, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah I'm people. with you. Com- <laughs> yeah, comic relief is great. Yeah, I will so, do some. <laughs> and,
2: and, and Molly, uh, you coming, coming into the quarantine off of your two week break and um, your time at the Olympic trials, how are you doing?
1: Yeah, well, the Olympic trials did not work out as I was planning or hoping. I dropped out around mile 21 um, so that I wouldn't have to take a two-week break. So oh. I am thinking immediately ahead to the track and um, <clears throat> have tried to just get fast again. I'm doing strides again. It's, it is it is stressful to have to dive back into another um, Olympic trials build up right from one to the other so I was really hoping I could have a good race at the marathon trials um and especially because we don't really know the timeline of what's going to happen next as far as am I training for the trials on June 19th or am I uh, oh. training for a later date um so a lot of athletes are in that boat um and so that's kind of where I, where I'm at just trying to get my body from marathon mode to track mode during these uncertain times so mm-hmm. i'm in arizona we haven't actually had a lockdown or anything yet here so i'm lucky i'm able to kind of go to the track and, and run outside and just mm-hmm. social distance on my own but um businesses and stuff haven't shut down yet here anyway so
0: that's where i'm at molly around that did you take like were, you know, did you have a recovery time after the marathon trials? Like mentally, physically, like are you feeling like recovered? And two, what is the advice around training into you know with this kind of coronavirus um taking hold? Like, is there advice? Is there kind of recommendations, or is it business as usual? Like you're able to kind of execute your schedule. So. Well,
1: I would say I did take a couple of days to decompress. Um, maybe four days where I didn't run. Um, I got a little bit sick after the trial, so I just thought I'd let my body heal. Um, but I was kind of thinking the point of dropping out was to get back into it right away because running 26 miles does a lot more damage to your body. Uh, that like once you go longer than 20, it's why you take the two week break afterwards. Um, I would say right now, like a little bit of exercise is good for <clears throat> kind of boosting your immune system and keeping you sane and healthy. Um, probably not a great time to be doing like 18 mile tempo runs and things that would run you down, (laughs) especially if all the marathons have been canceled for the next few months and you're really looking at a fall plan for most athletes. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what the recommendations are, but if you can get outside and just, you know, do a remote run in a beautiful location, that's really going to make you feel good. Um, And I would suggest that. And I can post some at home exercises. Um, You can keep stay tuned for those on my Instagram. I'll um, gladly give people some drills and exercises they can do from their home gym or their living room.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Same here, by the way, you guys, we, I just, uh, one of the big things is I did finish my feel good fitness book. So I yeah. will post some stir crazy challenges for you guys here. Yeah.
1: Buy the
2: book, Yeah. Um, right now, we have our book on pre-sale. I'll put the link in my bio and maybe direct you guys over to it from um, from Keeping Track Media. Um, but yeah, right now you can get the book on pre-sale, and we are expecting to have our spring launch of the book, Feel Good Fitness. So uh, keep your eye out, and um, yeah, I'm really excited because I mean I've been talking about this on the podcast happening for some time now, and juggling that time to just kind of deliver. Two babies around the same time. Yes.
0: And for people who don't know what the book is about, so it's Feel Good Fitness. So tell us a little bit more what, you know, what it, What can we find in there? Yeah. It feel, so Feel Good Fitness is um, a set of challenges that you can
2: um, give yourself through or follow along throughout the entire year. I just feel like fitness is something everybody can have, but sometimes a lot of people don't know how to obtain it. They just don't know where to start or, you know, they think that it has to be, you have to be a professional athlete to come up with a program. That works for you, or people begin on a fitness journey and they hammer through um, hard workouts, and they don't know, you know, when to take breaks or how to kind of cycle through the week. And so, feel good fitness. <laughs> <laughs> Oops, that's <Thanks>. my son. <laughs> He's back from quarantine. Everyone, has um, got yeah, kids in the house, the right? Now, and this will also help you, if you <laughs> have children in the house and this sort of stuff done as well. So, <laughs> and so, Roe. I'm interested in what you've got going on. Please tell us with um, Kid Life and everything going on. I'm sure there are some pretty interesting updates you'd want to let us in on. Yeah, Roshin, are you launching anything in the spring?
1: Is
0: anything coming from your end? Before we look like, bridge to me, just on that, Alicia, I think your book, like, I'm, you know, not just do... people think they have to have a personal trainer and stuff like that, but that you have to be in a gym. You have to go to these expensive classes. Are you trying to say your book will give us at home things to do and you know? Yes. So it's supposed to be about access.
2: I mean, I, uh-huh. my inspiration was my mom. My mom is a, um, she doesn't care about me telling her age. I'm pretty sure a uh, 63 <laughs> year old um, teacher And her time is very limited. She lives in L.A. She spends most of her time commuting there and back. And I had her in mind when I was thinking about, you know, these workouts that could be 20 20 to 30 minutes um, and give people the foundation to get a good fitness program in for themselves. Yeah, I hope that explained it for
0: you. No, no, and I'm just kind of asking because, right, you know, now when people are quarantined and they can't go to the gym and they're feeling restricted, you know, um, I don't know, like the timing of your book coming out, yeah, like that. Um, obviously, you didn't, you know, orchestrate this, but that I know for things to, you know, be to do at home where they can't necessarily be with their friends, you know, I've seen some like. Like when you say challenges i like the idea that like here in our local channel there's like a you know trick shot challenge on the news and things like <laughs> that right that we want these games we want these challenges sports are off there right now yeah. like you know people can make their own fun so i'm excited to get your book and uh, at least you know yeah have fun uh, uh, while we're all at home <laughs> yeah
2: and everybody can marry molly's um exercises that she's gonna She's gonna post with uh, the challenges and use Roshine's um, training journals. Holy so goodness. we all have resources for everybody that is kind of uh, losing it <laughs> right now. <laughs> <coming from> <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Anyhow, so great
1: so Ro well, what else is going on with you these days how are you doing with kids in the house and like what well,
0: any exciting news for
1: us I don't know
0: yeah, the la- I know I listened to the last episode I was missing from it but I did pass my exam so yes I'm a licensed therapist so if anyone needs is struggling mentally and um, you could reach out to me because that is my profession there as well and um, i worked as a sports site consultant for a good few years and I always wanted to broaden out to mental health. So um yeah that's a thing. And that I've done that while well, you guys are kicking ass, having babies and racing. Um, and then otherwise yeah just personally um at a point where I'm expanding my own family. So yay go wait, what? Baby number what? three <laughs> uh, ah! trying to be like Alicia who's modeling they're killing <laughs> she's just like yeah, she's just join him. the milk jug crew yeah i want to be like you <laughs> you yay oh so exciting
2: uh, enjoy uh, this time while you can with the family of two because it's yeah. a wild ride and it's also awesome of the family uh, well it's a family of four family of five you know what i mean two kids three kids yay. i'm excited yay so um, yeah, people are gestating things and birthing different things. So yeah, great.
0: So we're all, <laughs> yeah.
2: Awesome, sweet. So Molly, who's our guest?
1: So our guest for today's episode is Alphine Tilliamuk. Uh, we've seen a lot of interviews with Alphine re- recently because she won the US Olympic marathon trials uh, two weeks ago. And it was a great talk. I'm friends with Alphine. I've raced against her many times, um, and I always love hanging out with her and seeing her happy face at races. And she's a very inspiring interview, too. I think, um, you know, some of her stories about her life growing up in Kenya and the way she views becoming an American citizen were really great to hear um, and really uplifting.
0: uh uh-huh. Really powerful too. I, I was really moved by some of the things she said and her, her personality and her view of world view. And um, she was, yeah, she was definitely, you know, making the case for there's a lot of stories behind these athletes that nobody's telling. And she's got some amazing stories to tell. And it's such an honor to have her on as a guest.
2: Yeah. Say, I mean, I can only echo, you guys have to hear this podcast. Um, Alphine is super inspiring. Um, she is actually just a great example of um, how to keep busy and not make your identity about one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and she kind of talks about that on the podcast. I really picked up on that and resonated with that as well. Um, and so I'm just, I'm really Excited for everybody to hear this episode of keeping track and I really hope that you guys will um, leave comments and rate us and help us, um, you know, better tell these women's stories and get them out there. So, yeah, enjoy it.
1: Yeah, Yeah, enjoy Alphine's interview. And if you guys could follow us and leave a comment um, under Alphine's um, and we'll announce Alphine's interview on our
0: Instagram, keep track.
1: Um, media. Wait, what is our Instagram? What is our actually?
0: <laughs> you could tell us like what maybe one of your favorite things that Alaphine talked about, or um, she likes to do good deeds in her community, and you'll hear that a lot from her. And we'd love to do a giveaway, um, a little competition. Molly's rocking a new Keeping Tracks t shirt, and uh, we'd like to give some away. So if you can comment on our Instagram under the Alaphine post, um with keep things. track media is our <laughs> <There you go. laughs> instagram
1: yeah so follow keep track media leave a comment and hopefully what um we'll do a couple t-shirt giveaways so thanks for listening everyone enjoy alphine you will be inspired after you listen to her speak and thank you for
0: keeping track stay safe everyone and we will be back soon to keep you entertained i hope <laughs> thank you guys see well.
1: Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Keeping Track. Um, We have a great guest today. We have Alphine Tilliamuk, who recently won the Olympic Trials Marathon and is a 10-time U.S. road champion. Um, Many of you know Alphine from road races. She recently ran New York City Marathon before this race, and I have raced her many times. I would like to have Alphine introduce herself. What do you Alphine, what are your favorite stats when someone asks you to
3: introduce yourself? <laughs> oh, hi, everyone. My name is Alphine, and I guess one of my favorite staff, uh, stats is I'm a badass crochet. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, like Molly mentioned, I am a 10-time U.S. champion. Um, one of those was uh, on, in cross-country in 2017 and uh, originally from Kenya. Um, came here about a little bit over 10 years ago to go to college and... Um, Turn pro in 2013 um, and got my citizenship in 2016. So now running for the beautiful uh USA. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And most recently, of course, become the US Olympic trials marathon champion.
3: Yes. Yeah. Oh, I, I still still forget that one. I seriously still I'm still waiting to wake up from that dream. I was thinking last night, like, it still feels like a dream. Yeah. 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 <laughs> So uh,
0: yeah, you haven't caught up mind hasn't caught up with the reality of
3: it yet I don't think so because I am still uh, crocheting my life away and I don't think I've given myself a chance to like live in it Mm. but I I think also the other part of that is that I am really looking forward to uh, hoping that Tokyo happens because I'm already thinking about that and so I, I guess in that aspect it does feel a little real but I've watched the rest three times I get super excited in the beginning and then um, by the time the race is done, I'm lost.
1: Yeah. So every time I I'll say um, we are crocheting right now, by the way, for anyone wondering, because Alphine's inundated with orders since her big day. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Um, and I'm doing kind of not as good a job. I'm not as good as a crocheter as Alphine, but I'll help Alphine, I'll help you if you want.
3: I'm coming up. To I would be very happy,
1: <laughs> but like you said, we have uncertain times ahead of us. I feel like we have to address what's going on right now um, with the virus and all of the quarantines. So many races have been canceled that it's encroaching on even the s- late summer, which is the Olympic Games. And so, luckily, you and Molly and Sally already secured your spots. the The rest of the U.S. trials are still up in the air. But how? How are you thinking about that right now? Are you preparing? Are you still on your break? Um, what's like? What's your training like and your mindset like right now?
3: So training-wise, I uh, I have run the last three days. Um, I've been waiting until late in the evening anyway, so that I crochet the whole day. But at the end of the day, I am losing my mind. So, of course, I go do my running, which is therapeutic. Um, but... I've only been running like four miles and today I have six yay for the first time or not the first time, but like, it actually feels like six is a lot of miles because I haven't done a whole lot the last two weeks. Um, so I took a two week break. I took the entire 14 days, um, started running and, uh, it's been fun. You know, it's more like right now, like everyone else, you know, it's so scary not knowing what's going to happen. And I think I'm more, um, the more time goes by and the more cases, um, appear, I think I'm really like, I'm just like, I know that there's a chance I'm never going to be an Olympian. And to think that breaks my heart, you know, and again, on the other hand, I'm like, I am the last person that should be complaining right now because I already uh, secured my qualification. I know that there are people who still have to go run uh, trials qualification before they even uh, do the Olympic trials. And we don't even know if any of this is going to happen. So on one hand, I know that I am very lucky. I'm in a better place compared to a lot of my peers. But on the other hand, I also know that there's a chance this not, this is not going to happen. And to think of that, it's very scary. And um, I don't know, it's depressing, I guess. But I try to stay positive. You know, there's nothing I can do. Um, there's nothing anyone can do. And in fact, like before we started talking, I was reading a thread um, on Twitter. People were saying... Uh, uh, should the Olympic go on or should it not? And they were just, I was still trying to read, uh, you know, about some of the things that have to go perfect in order for the Olympics to happen. And it's very rural. Um, we don't have the technology to test. Uh, we don't even have um, the means to communicate to people. Like people just communicate these things uh, from like mouth to mouth. And so it's like, there's a lot of miscommunications, uh, unlike here. And so if somebody were to get sick, How will they know that they are actually sick from coronavirus? How will they get tested? And so if we are having issues over here with all the technology that we have in terms of testing and, you know, like self-isolation, what's going to happen to a country, a young country like that? What's going to happen to Ethiopia, you know, like third world countries, what's going to happen? And so knowing that Olympics, um, like all countries come together, even if like, Say that superpower countries were able to uh, contain that. What about countries that don't have the resources? So then I don't know. There's just a lot of uncertainties ahead, and um, it's mm-hmm. very scary. Mm-hmm. Like it, like why did this happen now? But again, everybody's asking that question. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah.
1: Yeah, all the countries would be coming together. It's a global game, so you maybe one country has it under control, but then another smaller country will bring it back. Have you talked to anyone back home, Alphine? Like I haven't heard much about what it's like in Kenya or uh, some of the other countries on the news. It's been trying to
3: pull this out. (laughs) (laughs) I have talked to my brother. So one of my brothers is a high school teacher. And, uh, you know, like I, I think my other brother is here with me who is going to college here and he was telling me today that uh, Kenya now has seven uh, cases. It was still three a couple of days ago, but that's also that's just in the big city. Um, so I don't know, like my uh, all schools are closed now in Kenya. And I was, like my brother was telling us that they are trying to move into um, online learning, which is something that is very new. So we don't know. Yeah, like it's still very new. Like they still have low number of cases. But again, those are the reported cases. And as a matter of fact, I actually, I'm not sure if this is right or uh, true or not. But I read something this morning on Facebook that there was someone from um, like in one of these towns in Kenya, who people suspected that he had coronavirus. And instead of reporting, I heard that he was killed by mob justice. Now I'm not. I'm not sure. I haven't verified this information. I just saw this on Facebook. So I'm not sure. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Panic and freaking out. Yeah. Yes. Yes. The yeah, panic is growing. So, yes. and then I spoke to my sister uh, last week. Jeez, this thing is so hard. <laughs> I spoke to my older sister last week. Actually, I'm going to give up this. Um, and then she was telling me that. Uh, I'm just going to pull something else out. Oh, uh, she was telling me that. Um. You know, over there, there's so many, there's so much miscommunication. She was telling me that people were talking, were saying that, oh, you cannot, like, uh, touch your child, your children have to sleep in separate rooms and all that. Like, there was all this, there's just all this rumors going around just because no one has told them what's happening. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So,
1: um, Alfine, a lot of people have heard, you've done a lot of interviews lately, um, People have heard about your big family and your 30-plus siblings. Do you yeah, Can you yeah. tell us a little bit about how you're um, growing up in Kenya? And I know you're from a very high altitude with very hard, hilly courses. So can you talk to us about how that shaped you as a runner, or as an athlete, and just what your life was like
3: there? Yeah, uh, so I uh, come from a family of uh, 30, 32 of us, so I have 31 siblings. I'm one of the oldest ones. Um, I'm the second one in, uh, from my mom's, uh, uh, family. i mean you uh, know, yeah, the oldest kid from my mom. And, um, you know, of course we weren't always 32. So when I was younger, uh, there was less of us and it was really fun because we got together for Christmas. Uh, that's actually the only holiday that we celebrated. Um, it was fun because all my, uh, my mom's wives will come together and then all the kids will come together and we will celebrate a good Christmas. It will, was fun. Just to play with my my half-sisters and brothers. And um, I grew up at like a little bit over 10,000 feet of elevation. So when I go home, my first two miles is about a little bit over 10,000. But then by the time I get to three miles, I'm at right around like above 11,000 feet. It is very hilly. Like, I mean, I go home and I struggle to run. And then there are these kids who are going to school and they are racing me. And they're way faster than me. And then they're like, oh, we don't know if you still still run. I mean, you're getting slow. <laughs> but uh, it's very small. Um, It's a really small town. I don't even know. I mean, like, we never really say, I, I don't know how many people are in our town. Um, But I just know that when I go home, everybody knows that I'm home. Because, again, there's only, like, one road that goes one direction and the other one that goes the other direction. Um So... It was fun growing up. I mean, um, education at the time wasn't really uh, something that people prioritized. Uh, I remember when I was a little kid, you know, like we saw people, when people were coming from high school, we thought, oh, like when they graduated from high school, they said they were finished with school. And some people even got jobs at the time, you know, from uh, after graduating from high school without even passing. Of course, things have changed since then. I mean, that's like what, over 20 years ago, um, things have changed significantly and uh i am the first girl from my village to graduate from college again things have changed you know we now have more girls and in my family alone i mean like we have like we don't have girls who have graduated from college uh like not four-year college anyway but my sister is uh she went to a two-year college like a community college my brother uh, my older brother so you know we've have more people who are educated right now but um it's still small uh things have gotten better the roads have gotten so much better uh but we walked to school, you know, we ran to school every day. Um, it was fun. And you, like, when you're coming home, you try to raise uh, the people that are going that direction. And you, it just run home so fast. And really, I think that's how I ended up being a runner. Just I learned that I could run fast that way.
0: Wow. So, like, I've heard of like growing up, you always hear, oh, yeah, Kenyan kids run to school. So that's actually really true. <laughs> like, it they... is
3: very true. <laughs> yes, it is true. Uh, absolutely. Like, when I go home right now, even when I was home last time, kids are just running to school and it's fun like right now when I think about it, I'm like, man, I miss that. Mm-hmm. I wish I could go back to being young and running to school. It would be fun. I mean, it didn't seem that much fun at the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> great. Great. Um, do you go back there a lot, Alaphine? No. I actually, <laughs> this makes me sad. I haven't been home that much. Uh, I went home, I came back uh, early, like January of 2017. And I can say this now because we're not going, uh, my partner and I were going to go next month. We were going to go after Boston, yeah. but bef- and we were actually not going to tell anyone. We were just going to show up. My cousin is getting married. We were just going to show up, crush the wedding. And yeah. that was so much fun to think about. And uh, But because of the widespread coronavirus, I don't think we are going to go. And it makes me very sad because... we were going to go again last year but then I was injured and you know other things came up and we decided not to go and this would have been an opportunity to go home and not have to worry uh, about going to training camp but I don't get to go again so I guess it's going to be four years before I go Mm That's very sad but at least I have my brother here you know I have my one brother here and he's been here for a couple weeks so at least I have you know close family around so
0: yeah 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 absolutely and
1: you know what that's like not wanting to go home and living in two places it feels like (laughs) you have like two homes basically
3: yeah and then you have to make these sacrifices of whether you should go see your family or you should pursue this goal like for example when we were all training for the marathon i mean how many weddings have you missed how many birthdays have you missed a lot but you do this because you know that there's a greater good that comes out of it. And we all know that our career isn't going to last forever. And so you try to, like, make the best out of it. And I don't know. Like, I mean, sometimes I wonder, like, is it worth it? You know, is it worth not seeing my family for three, four years? Um, My mm. parents are getting older. um, Something could happen. And I was even thinking the other day, like, God forbid, I mean, if something were to happen and I hadn't been home for this long, I will never forgive myself, you know, hopefully, I mean, nothing will happen, but Uh, things do happen. And it's like, is it worth uh, prioritizing your running uh, to going to see your family? You know, like you could be successful and all this, but if you're not able to share this with your family, then what is it worth? What is the value Mm -hmm. of that? But again, I mean, those are the thoughts that go through my mind when I'm missing home. And then, at the yeah. time, I'm like, oh, I'm doing great. I'm inspiring other people. So, yeah, you know, I think we all experience that, especially if you live far away from your family.
0: But yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, you're kind of speaking to that. And it's not just like, oh, you're not away, you're away from them. They're forgotten about or anything like that. It's like they're still with you and, and they're on your mind a lot. Yeah. yeah. Kind of thing, that kind of homesickness, I can relate yeah. to. Um, And your family, like, are you able to keep in good contact? Like, how's, like, the technology for, like, keeping in touch and stuff?
3: Um, Are they aware of your, like, successes and everything? Yeah, especially my siblings who are educated, actually, they do. Uh, My parents, I haven't (laughs) You're going to find this really strange, but... So, like, my parents, usually, when we talk, we don't talk all the time. Um, We probably talk once every two months or once every two and a half months or once a month. But when I when we talk we talk for like hours so that by the time you're done you're like okay see you again you know in like <laughs> two months there's nothing to talk about now so <laughs> frankly, yeah. I actually haven't even talked to my uh, my parents since uh, the trials but I've spoken to my sister and uh, my sisters and my brothers so my parents know what's going on but then again it's like where we live we don't actually have a good self reception mm. so my my mom will have to go uh, to my grandpa. Um, and because of the time difference, like right now we have ten hour time difference, so it's like it either has to be very early in the morning when I wake up, when I wake up and I'm like, oh, I do not want to talk to anyone, <laughs> or uh, like late at night. And then like I sometimes I wake up, I wake up and I'm like, no, you know, I'll call them soon. And then before I know it, it's, time is gone by. And then I'm like, maybe before I go to bed. And then at night I'm like, no, I am so sleepy. So the time right. difference and the fact that uh, they actually have to call me because they have to go find a good self reception. Before they call me, so it's challenge, but yeah, just do it.
0: Right. So they weren't exactly able to watch your race or anything. No,
3: no, they were not. And I spoke to my older sister, a second one in my family, uh uh, from my mom. And I spoke to her and I told her about what I She's like, "You won." I'm like, "Yeah." I'm like, "Sis, I did." And she was very proud of me. But yeah, I mean, if I didn't win, and then to them, it's like, "What? You didn't win?" Like. So, yeah, what does they, that even mean? You know, like it's more like winning means you something fast? to them. <laughs> yeah. So, right. <laughs> and then I, I guess also because I've been running for a long time, they're like, oh, you can still win a race? Cool. <laughs> you know, like they don't understand like yeah. marathoning and anything like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: And what they, what, they, what they, the idea of you being an Olympian now and making the team, like, how do they feel about that?
3: Again, it goes back to like my family, uh, those of my family that are educated understands what that means, but yeah. I don't think my mom understands or my dad understands what right. that actually means. Uh yeah. you yeah. know, if I if I went to the Olympics and I didn't, they'd be like, Huh, you're slowing down, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's just my yeah. siblings that understand what that means. Yeah, well. Yeah. What is
1: it like, Alphine? Like what does your family think and how do you feel about embracing your Kenyan culture? Cause that shaped you so much and made you a great athlete and made you who you are, but also like you're an American now and you're such a great representation of the American dream. You know, you come, you work really hard, you found the group that works for you and now you're representing this country at the Olympics, hopefully in a few months. So I don't know. I always think about how, um, Leo Manzano, after he won his silver medal in 2012, he grabbed a Mexican flag and an American flag for his victory lap. And people actually kind of criticized him. Some people did, which I found really surprising because there's so many people like that in America. So how, what's your experience been with kind of like embracing both cultures? Because I think you represent America so well right now, but you're also um, – I presume a proud Kenyan
3: too. (laughs) I am. I am. I mean, without growing up in Kenya, I don't know if I would be the person that I am today without the experiences of uh, experiencing a hard life. And um, I think that hard life that I had earlier on made me appreciate the things that I do have today. Um, And so, yeah, I I mean, I'm a very proud Kenyan American. and I will definitely hope that people will see that like uh, when I talk about like being a really proud American, it doesn't really mean that I don't appreciate, uh, you know, my Kenyan roots. I really do. And uh, it shapes the person that I am today. And it gives me a lot more gratitude. And, um, you know, in terms of people criticizing, I, I mean, I, I don't really know much because I haven't like gone digging on that. I, I'm somebody who doesn't handle uh, criticism that well. And so that kind of negativity, it's something that I don't, um, I don't handle very well. And like, sometimes I don't put myself out there. Like, I don't comment on things that are controversial because, again, I don't want to be in the situation where like, I'm at the spotlight. But I, I mean, I, I know that, uh, for example, in 2016, um, I remember after the trials, I remember reading comments on let you know, about uh, the army guys. And the things that were pe- the people were saying were very, very mean, I mean, because um people were saying they stole their spo- uh you know sports of making the olympic team I, all these things, and you know I remember thinking like, wow, we are really far away from uh the ideals that we say we are, and um I don't know, like I guess for me, like I live here like ninety nine point nine percent of the time um I train from here. I do everything that I'm supposed to be doing as an American. And so I feel like I pay my dues and continue to pay my dues. I have and continue to do that. And if somebody had a problem with that, then really, I think that the people that know me know who I am and what I represent and that, you know, I am appreciative of the opportunities that I have here. And I'm also appreciative of uh, where I have come from because it's shaped who I am today. And I continue to inspire kids here and people here. And I also continue to inspire kids back home. And so it's like, I'm doing what any person in my, uh, in my, uh, my shoe would do. And I I can't really do any more than that. And so I, I, I'm not going to worry about what people say. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I appreciate your kind of honesty about, you know, the criticism and stuff, right? Because as athletes, you guys, high profile athletes, you guys are both amazing examples of that, that you, you know, comes, kind of comes with the territory or that's at least how people justify it, right? That, you know, that. The uh, athletes are kind of part of the culture. Now we can discuss them and their performances and stuff. But it's, you know, it's great to hear you guys talking about, you know, often we've talked about it, Molly offline. And, um, you know, these things still hurt if people are kind of criticizing you, you're trying to use your voice, you're trying to be, uh, you know, use your platform for good. And you know people can say whatever they want, really easy throw away remarks that still hurt right and yeah, and people don't realize that there are humans at the end of those uh, behind those names and those performances and um you know appreciate that you're like i'm not you know I'm not immune to that criticism, and I'm not <laughs> you know I don't have this magic power to stop me from getting affected by that and um you know I think that's an important thing for people to do because obviously you guys are high profile but you know people on all different levels are going to feel criticized by their friend or a comment or a coach or whatever, and they feel that too, and always they're kind of like, "How do I handle less better? How do I not care as much about what people say but really, we do care about that right it's not It's not about not you know not developing some skill but just learning to kind of yeah, like buffer from it or stay away from it. And, um, I appreciate you sharing that.
3: Yeah. Hi, Alicia. I see you're back. I'm back. I am
2: back. And I've come into just such a, a pivotal part of the conversation. Just really quick, everybody, (laughs) which, um, I was putting down my, uh, newborn who's two weeks old and we're out here trying to schedule, but, um, Most important. Let's just be honest.
3: Why did you hide the baby? Oh,
2: no, I didn't. Trust me, you guys, we, you wouldn't hear me speaking right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm a little sleeper, but you know, I, I just wanted. I was just thinking a lot about just everything that you are expressing about what we're supposed to be in America and what you're you've gone through, um, and it actually for me, it's really just I. Gosh, I've got so many emotions that are going on right now within my, my, my brain, within my heart, within my head, just about
3: um, Alicia, how... don't make us cry. <laughs> the way you're talking right now, it's like, we're going to cry. We don't... Yeah. Anyway, go on. Sorry. <laughs> I,
2: you know, I mean, it, it, is, it is really emotional just because I think we have a responsibility as individuals to protect the human race. And that is everybody across the board, no matter where they come from. That is what makes America great. We are yeah. all immigrants. We this was a place that wasn't even our own. We, you know, we took this. You, yeah. Okay, I'm not saying we. No, I did it. Uh, um, America <laughs> was stolen land, and it's yeah. just interesting that so people can feel so entitled to say someone doesn't belong in the same way that their ancestors and their people have come to make America their home. Mm-hmm. And um, part of the Olympic dream is us showing all that America is and all the people that you know, have, are make, that make up America, you mm-hmm. know, and that's, I mean, everybody has so many different backgrounds that are making America great, you know, Bernard Lagat. you know, we celebrate Bernard Lagat as our, uh, our American citizen, as one of our own. So I'm just so baffled and I'm so, I don't, I'm so incredibly, I don't, sorry is not even a great word that, you know, we have such numbskulls that are the loudest.
3: You know, it's when it comes to such an like, yeah. amazing
2: achievement, you know?
3: Yeah. It's like, okay, I, I think this is how I, I feel like. Um, it feels like until people get to know you, right, uh, they will always uh, scream. But then, like, when I think about, for example, again, going back to what, 2016, um, when the Army guys, again, met the team, you know, there were a lot of negative comments. But then when mm-hmm. they won a medal, you know, everybody was happy. Yeah. Or like even going, I don't, I haven't read too much about Mip's story, but I hear that, uh, you know, there was a lot of controversy at uh, the first Olympics that he ran. But yeah. then after that, people accepted him for who, you know, he is. And he's yeah. inspired a lot of people uh, since then. Or even Leo Monzano, you know, again, like you mentioned in Mali, like, I think people just need to get to know you. But I, at the same time, it's like, you should not uh, say all those things again. Like, um, you know, it, we are human beings. Yeah. And... Why am I receiving negative comments that I that I don't even deserve? You know, like, Mm -hmm. isn't there a good way to say these things? Mm -hmm. Um, Like, why would you be so mean to another person and then turn around and be like, oh, yeah, they're actually nice. You know, now that I've gotten to know them, I think that's just hypocrisy. Like, Mm -hmm. it's It's not called for. And with Mm -hmm.
1: with Leo, for example, he actually, he's born in America. He wasn't American. He just came from Mexican. His parents were from Mexico directly. And so that was his heritage. That's what shaped him growing up. That's the culture he, that's. You know, he went back to visit family. I'm sure, and and I just think there's nothing wrong with embracing where you came from and what shaped you and made you and made you this unique person. Those are your unique experiences, but also embrace where you are now and the opportunities that the country is giving you now. And I think, in fact, it's like you said, it it was a hard life that you had, and it made you really appreciate things here and really take advantage Mm -hmm. of the opportunities here. So it almost heightens that. you're a better role model and you're really grateful and really seeing the, the opportunities that you have as an American. So, yeah, yeah. um, I, yeah, I always been baffled by the pushback that, that yeah. there is because we do have a lot of athletes on team USA yeah. um, across the board tracked, just like not just distance running that are that come from other countries um other sports have athletes too that have come from other countries and become American citizens so you see it a lot and and yeah Meb is a national hero now you know like thank god we have Meb in America yeah (laughs) his family came over because he's such a great there his whole family is just amazing um so yeah it's funny how that took time to warm up though and I just think that's a weird um it's, a, it's one of those reactions that I always like to challenge because I think it's, um, yeah, we have some, some definitely some great role models and are benefiting from people that come to our country and want to represent it.
3: I guess I, I that do makes- like wonder, like it does make me want to ask though, like, uh, a- and again, you've probably answered this Molly perfectly, but like, or even you Alicia, like, how does it feel you guys? Like, uh, like, do you ever have like, even for micro a different feeling about that? Uh-huh. Like for example, um, I keep thinking like, uh, and <laughs> I'm just analyzing things a lot probably these days. But like, I was, I didn't. It was a podcast that I was listening to, and then they were talking about, um, you know, they were comparing, not necessarily comparing the shoe with the, uh, you know, East African athletes, but they were talking about like, you know, not, um, um, okay, this so and so had the shoe, you know, like this the shoe of the you know and then they're like but then they're so and so also you know is a you know like african born and i'm like okay so i wonder like do you ever have a feeling like okay if so and so who was born this in this country didn't come here and then i would have had that spot have you ever been in a situation like that
2: i can say never i i, I wouldn't i i don't think that way at all i've actually on the other side um my my family's jamaican and it's been very um pivotal in my upbringing, and I've actually thought on the other side of, you know, I wonder what it would be like to compete for Jamaica for, you know, uh, a quad and just represent where my family's come from. I've never, ever felt like, you know, anybody that I've competed against deserved anything less from what I have if they beat me um, because they have a different family um, heritage and they were born somewhere different.
1: Yeah, I agree. I always my mentality is, I I don't care who's on the starting line as, mm-hmm. as an American. P- pretty much as long as you're clean, like yeah,
2: like exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, Roshan.
0: Yeah, I just want to add to that. like so Alfie. I've been from Ireland. It's like uh, Ireland, Irish people are very like patriotic. And yeah. so for me, I, I like I have a different perspective obviously than the two girls who are American. I mean the three of you guys are American. I'm not. Um, that like I'm like, how do you like change nationalities? And that's just me from being a different from, mm-hmm. from being from Ireland. It's like people have asked me, Oh, would you run for America? I'm like, never, I'm not. Like I just don't, it's just like my identity is like Yeah. God, I've nearly been here, like, maybe half my life or over slightly. Anyways, mm-hmm. but um, it's like, so for me, just just my country, and my culture, I was like, I, I'm curious how somebody does switch nationalities. And that's not from an American perspective or anything. That's just me being like, I couldn't even imagine doing that. But so mm-hmm. that's why I'm actually curious, like, how, yeah, what is, how? how is that for you? And is that mm-hmm. just a thing? Like... You know how do you get to that place where you're like you know what i'm i want to run for america um <clears throat> so i don't know i hope I hope that's not offensive or anything oh no
3: no, no 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 totally not um no like so uh i don't even know if i want to say this or not but um Whatever you feel comfortable. so no i know i know but like i mean like somebody like sally right um you know sally has been here i think she mentioned that she's been here for 15 years and um You know, like a lot of times um, athletes have a really hard time, uh, say, for example, getting a visa, right? Uh, Because I remember one of my teammates uh, who is from the UK, she had a, um, it took a while for her to transition from uh, um, uh, F1 student visa to uh, P1, which is the athlete visa. And also, I mean, I think with with, uh, changing, uh, you know, citizenship, like uh, there are options where like, say, for example, if you have an extraordinary ability. You can, uh, you know, like uh, apply to get a green card, and then you're able to work here, and get your uh, green card will last for ten or five or ten years, and then at the at the end of five or ten years, you can decide if you want to represent the country that you. Uh, I, I guess I'm talking about America. After five years, then you're eligible to apply for citizenship. So then you can choose whether or not. You want to apply for citizenship or you can uh, just continue to uh, be, uh, you know, a permanent resident. And I think that's like for Sally and a few other people, you know, that's the route that they went. Like after five years, they'd be like, well, I've lived here for like 15 years. Why not? I mean, I've I've gotten a lot of opportunities. And if you feel strongly that you have an opportunity uh, to do greater good by becoming an American, they go ahead and do that. Mm -hmm. Mine was a little different from that. But yeah, I think that's the thing, like. People just, you know, you live in a country, you appreciate what you have, what they've given yeah. you. And you just feel like, uh, you know, like, I feel like there's a greater good that comes from me being an American. Uh, it doesn't mean that you don't uh, care or, uh, you know, appreciate your other country. But yeah, like, yeah. you know, yeah. That's, that's I, I don't know if I even made any sense. Uh, we <laughs> no, we you not made kind of to of
1: stuff, uh, We have a, my, my husband's Canadian.
3: Roshin, you and... My
1: came from New great. Zealand. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I actually yeah. asked
3: Molly. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I asked you, Molly, I remember like uh, <laughs> when we came over, when you came over to my place, uh, I think that was last year or the year before for dinner, I remember asking you like, would you ever want to be a Canadian citizen? I don't remember the answer and you didn't even have to answer that. But yeah, you know, like, oh, by the way, did Kirk, uh, Did does Kirk want to be an American citizen? No, no
1: he's, he's like Roshi and Canadians are very patriotic and they <laughs> yeah. They will never relinquish their, um, (laughs) they love Canada. I love Canada too, but I always want to run for America. Yeah, I I think
2: one of the, one of the big things that you touched on uh, that, you know, it's open for whomever is um, identity, you know, like I Mm -hmm. think that's really big, especially again, I think uh, Roisin and, um, you know, whoever else might be just from a different nationality. I think, again, the thing about America is that we are such a melting pot we really are. And, um, it's, I think that it, I could see, you know, maybe if I was, if for instance, I've kind of mentioned like, Oh, I thought about that before. If I,
3: yeah.
2: um, and I remember my cousin asking me, would you ever, and I was like, Oh no, everybody would hate me. In way. <laughs> and just, I, and I had my own moments for me, uh, when, when thinking about, you know, running with, for Jamaica and it's just basically with everything that was going on in the U S and the doping and, um, my grandma passing and, you know, just having my own emotional thing about being like, I want to honor her and then come back around and be like, okay, I'm running for like one of the hardest teams to make. Yeah. It's a, yeah. what it's a great honor to be able to run as an American um, athlete. But um, I think again, when we talk about identity and we talk about all the things that, you know, we opportunities that we are given and that we don't even recognize from being like for, for me growing up as an American born citizen and, um, I, I 100% recognize just the honor of being able to become an American citizen and wanting to um, honor the country in the same way and it not being received in that way. Mm-hmm.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. And I, I guess I think uh, the other thing that I keep thinking about is, uh, like, I don't know, like, for me, having lived here 10 years, mm-hmm. I think that there's a lot of things that I don't understand, but also being uh, removed 10 years away from Kenya the things that i don't understand again and mm-hmm. so i am less like um in between like i don't really know exactly where i belong and so it's almost like no. you choose where you belong and i know that again like doing greater good being here you know like there's opportunities that i could help people here especially like say if my running career is over you know i plan on going back to school and getting my uh healthcare degree hopefully in nursing and then working here and then maybe even going back to kenya and uh you know like asking a few of my friends, uh, you know, in the healthcare profession to go, um, you know, like um, volunteer and stuff like that. So it's like, it's just weird. I could never like, because of the time that I've stayed here and what I know now, I don't know if I will be able to live in Kenya, uh, you know, like right now. And um, I don't know. It's if I had to, I will and absolutely would love to, like, probably even have a second home there. But I see myself as doing greater good living here. And so, if I am going to live here and these things, like, say, for example, being able to vote, hey, mm-hmm. I mean, it may not matter, but I would love to be able to, like, go cast my vote and feel good that way uh, or feel like, you mm-hmm. know, doing my democratic right. And so, because I spend a lot of time again here and my partner is actually uh, born and raised in Santa Fe. So, it's like, it's almost impossible for me to go live in Kenya. Mm-hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. full-time versus living here so it's yeah and actually like it's um from my culture like my um my culture in Kenya it's like when you're a woman uh (laughs) you can live anywhere like my parents or no one will ever question me living here full-time but then it might be it might be raising eyebrows if my brother lives here lived here forever and never went home that much because it's like the men are always supposed to go back but women can live anywhere. I, I don't mm. know if that's part into my decision or not, but like, yeah.
1: That's um, interesting. Like, can you talk about, um, I don't know if you were in Kenya long enough. I know you left when you were maybe 17 or so, but what is it like to be a woman in Kenya versus a
0: woman mm-hmm. in America?
1: Like, do the men, are they expected to come back because it's like, Oh, you are an indispensable part of our family. You must come back. Or is it like, like, what is
3: the thinking behind that? I mean, for instance, like, uh, so my mom has five boys, right? And uh, my mom has her own land. Like, so my dad has four wives. Each wife has a land that belongs to their kids. So there's three girls in my mom's, uh, uh, f- from my mom's kids. The three of us will never get a piece of land. My brother, even the one who, are, who is here, it doesn't matter how successful he is, he will always have a piece of land back home.
4: Mm. And so
3: if I were to get married, then I will belong to the people that I got married to, right? And so, like, I'm not expected to come home. I mean, I don't even have, technically, I don't even have a, a place at my parents' home. So I have to actually go find my own, uh, you know, life. But then my brothers, uh, boys in general in my community, I expected to come back because they have a piece of land. They expected to come back and occupy their home. And that's where their life should be. And so it's like, I mean, it's easy for me to be like, why? I mean, even if I went home. I could only stay at my mom's for X amount of time, but that's not my home anymore. You yeah. know, like, whereas it's different for the boys. Yeah. How,
1: how does running change that? Like, I know you said you looked up to Te- was Tegla LaRoupe from your town. Um, she was successful and I assume made some money running. Does that change you? Like, do you become more, like,
3: free uh, when you have success like that? Or is is it really entrenched? Oh, you become a lot more free. I mean, like being here, like the person that I am today, the controlling person that I am today, I could never imagine being in Kenya. I mean, I I probably, I mean, people look at me and be like, what is wrong with you? But like with Tekla, you know, again, the same thing, like once she was able to have her own money, then she could do things for herself. She could purchase land. She could have properties for herself. Because again, back in the day, women didn't really have properties. You know, properties uh, was for the men and again without education you know the property was land and animals and so if you got married you became part of a property for your husband and his family and the things that are uh, like your family uh your husband's family has becomes yours uh, contingent like on a contingency plan really like it wasn't a hundred percent yours and then you you had kids and you had boys and those properties became your boys so essentially like especially back then a woman didn't have anything you mm-hmm. know like a woman doesn't own anything and But then for me, like now I have the freedom of like, you know, being able to get myself something like if I, you know, like like when I bought my first house here, it made me very happy because I came here with a hundred dollars. And to think that I have worked so hard to get to a point where I actually got myself a house. It made me very happy and having something that is mine that no one is going to claim Mm -hmm. that right there is independence Mm -hmm. that I don't know if I hadn't run or like came to America I'm not sure if I would have had that independence and these are some of the things that really makes me appreciate where I am Mm -hmm. and the opportunities that I have and I definitely want to continue to pursue this and continue to be more independent for myself and hopefully be able to take that message to those little girls and tell them that you can be independent too. because again a lot of kids like especially when I was growing up they just know that they will grow up they'll get married and they'll have kids and like, they they don't have a vision of being Mm. independent. And I I want them to have the chance at least to know that they can do that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I
1: would imagine running and sports has been a huge change for women's independence and um, like their ability to kind of have more power in society. Like, if you, because you you become like a national hero in Kenya if you're a great runner, right? Like it's pretty-
3: yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but then the sad part, Molly, is I'm and I'm not going to even point names or anything, point fingers, fingers at anyone. But there are some of the athletes who run really, really well, but because of the surrounding, that money made from running is still being controlled by their significant others. Mm. That to me blows my mind. I mean, I can never imagine running, working so hard, sometimes being injured or like running in a race and bonging and you feel like you're going to die mm. and then you go back and somebody's controlling that to me. I mean, because of the, you know, the surrounding that I have, I could never see myself doing that. But then if I were there, if I was in that environment, definitely that would have happened, you know? And so like, I don't know exactly how many, uh, I don't know what the percentage is, but I could almost bet you that a lot of like, maybe even 50% of those athletes, go home, and they have no control over, you know, the resources that they've worked so hard to get there. Significant athletes are controlling that, and I'm like, it blows my mind. I mean.
0: It just seems so unjust. Like, how do you feel about it when you think about some of those athletes and under that kind of system or whatever, or just even some of your old friends or, you know, people that from your town who don't realize or haven't, have lived in that system?
3: It infuriates me to know that this still exists in my culture today. It exists in my village today. And we've, you know, it's a 21st century. And of course, I will never go home. I mean, I have two sisters who are already married. They're in the same situation from my mom. And then I have four or five other sisters that are already married. They're living that reality. I will never go home and tell them, hey, this is not right now. Like, that's not my place. But for me, like, it just it breaks my heart to see that, you know, people struggle and work so hard to get to where they are, but probably still not have autonomy over what they have,
4: mm-hmm. you know?
3: And so, um, yeah, it it definitely is sad, but hey, what can I do? It's uh, it's not my place, I guess. I can just inspire the people, and if they're lucky enough to follow their passions, maybe they will have, uh, you know, a chance like I, I do. Do you think um,
2: knowing that, you know, an individual could not have control over their earnings with running um would incite more doping or cases for doping and you know cause people to go a route that does not make for ethical and um honest clean sport
3: you know i actually have thought about that i i mean i know that over here in america we know what we consume we know what goes into our bodies uh, because we are proactive but i I almost think that there are some of those athletes that have been found doping that they didn't even know they were doing and maybe their spouses went and, uh, you know, took to other people
4: uh-huh. and, and
3: they were the ones who secured those, uh, you know, the drugs and gave it to their, uh, to their wives uh-huh. and because they trust them 100%, it's not even about trust, it's almost like obedient and they uh-huh. believed everything they were told. They just uh-huh. took it, you know, uh-huh. like I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a fraction of those athletes a dope that actually just took it from their significant act, and they didn't even know what it was and mm. I definitely yeah like it does encourage that because again hey it's like you know your husband told you this is good and and a lot of those women again are coached by their husbands everything their coach gives them who, who also happens to be their partner they just take it and I, I don't know it's a, it's definitely a, a challenging topic to even like try to um, right. uh, like dissect I guess For some Mm. of those athletes, yeah.
2: Mm. Mm -hmm. Crazy times. So speaking of crazy times, um, I know you guys kind of touched on Corona a little bit. Uh, One, fill me in. (laughs) (laughs) Two, um, do you, like, how are you uh, right now? If Nobody can see what you're doing, but we've got, (laughs) she's knitting.
3: (laughs) I don't know Uh if you can see me. I can't actually see myself. Yeah. Oh my God, so is, Molly. So Molly, that's actually great. That's good.
2: <laughs> you told um, me you want fast, but you're
3: fast. <laughs> so
2: how are you keeping busy? How are you keeping your mind positive? How are you staying in, you know, the frame of mind to continue to train just as hard as you've been training, especially you are one of the few people who have already been crowned uh, an Olympian and hoping that Tokyo does go forward or at some point, um, hopefully at the time that it's supposed to, but knowing that it very well could not. What are your thoughts, and how are you keeping a positive mindset?
3: Well, so I took two weeks off, and that's what we usually are recommended to do uh, after a marathon anyway. And knowing that my risk wasn't going to be until August, I took those 14 days off. I didn't do anything. And so today is going to be my fourth day coming back, and I only have six miles. So really uh, in terms of physical, uh, physically, like, I haven't, like, I don't need to be doing much right now anyways. So, it, uh, coronavirus has nothing to do with that. But on the, the mental aspect of that is, of course, I am, uh, I am aware um, and very cognizant that there's a chance that uh, Tokyo is not going to happen. And that's very scary. Do
0: you think that, like, because I, that what I, just from my reports I've been reading, like, there's no way that it won't happen. Is there going to be delay? That's probably a good chance. I don't know, right? Um, but there's part of you that thinks that like it could be cancelled completely. Is that something you've heard or?
3: No, I, I mean I haven't heard anything. Yeah. But I, I, I feel like you know there's a chance that they can cancel it, and I, I, that I that it could be cancelled completely. But if it was postponed, I'm like as long as they do it sometime this year, yeah. I will be okay because in our sport it's so like three years or two years, four years from now, or even next year, you don't know where you're going to be. I have been injured a lot these last couple of years. You just never know. It's Mm -hmm. so unpredictable. And there's a chance that, you know, four years from now, you have something else going on. And there's so many young athletes that are, you know, running really, really well now. And in four years, I mean, our, our, you know, it's going to be even deeper, probably twice as deep as it is right now. So there's no guarantee that you're going to make a team in four years. And so I think a part of me is like, as long as they do it this year, I just want to be able to go represent myself and represent my country, you know, and see what I can get out of that. Because I feel like I am almost at the peak of my career and I feel like, you know, I'm getting better at each marathon and I really want to see how good I can be. And this is the opportunity, you know, and so I really hope that it happens, even if it doesn't happen this summer, if it happens later in the fall, I'm fine with that. But yeah, yeah Alicia. Uh, going back to your question, what am I doing to keep myself, uh, you know, busy and sane uh, while I'm crocheting? I um, not not just because I need to keep busy, but because I actually do have a lot of orders that I need to fulfill. Finally, I have like 91 orders. Thank God! So it was 200. It was 179 when I came back from the trial. So I've been crocheting a lot, uh, but yeah. So I still have orders, and then I can't wait to be done with this so I can actually have more. Uh, beanies and um, headbands so I can start uh, restock my Etsy shop and, you know, open it back up to uh, to business. And actually, um, so I thought about, um, hiring people for a long time. And then I thought, why would I want to do that? You know, the reason, yeah, the reason why people buy my hats is because I make it. But then I got to a point where I was like, you know what? I don't think it's weakness to ask for help. Mm -hmm. And with what's going on right now, I actually started talking to a couple of people and I have, um, uh, this lady who is going to be making me hats, and I'm going to pay her $15. And it makes me so happy to know that during this time when people are actually losing their jobs, yeah. I can pay someone $15. I mean, that's not much, but hey, being able to get $15 a hat is better than nothing. And so it makes me happy to be like, oh, my God, I came here with $100. And I could actually support someone right now. Like I could do a little thing to support yeah. someone and give, to get somebody to buy food for their kids. That makes me very happy, with, especially mm-hmm. from something that was a hobby that I studied that I didn't even think it was gonna go anywhere. And so, that right there makes me very happy. I met with this seventy uh, three year old uh, lady yesterday, and she, you know, like she's gonna be making me a few hats too. And if I can help that person who is retired and who is doesn't really have a whole lot going on, if I can give her a few like a, a few hundred dollars because she made me hats, I think that's. To me it's a greater good first me just making them and so hey I can play a little part of this contributing to the economy you know yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: you're expanding your business in your business I'd like to can you explain how you started this as a, a full-on side hustle it's yeah uh, that you did while you were injured because you did have a rough like 12 to 18 months of injury and what year was this this was last Alphine can you go last year. History, yeah. last year and tell us how Give us some
2: history. you didn't
1: you didn't run for a long time and then you if someone told you you were going to win the Olympic Trials
3: marathon you probably would have said I don't think so 6 months ago or 12 months ago I could have called them crazy um, so going back to 2018 the beginning of 2018 actually was in February 11th on February 11th I had a herniated disc on my back but I was able to recover from that, and I uh, had horrible races. But then by May, I ran well. So I ran really well in May and June and July. Um, I got injured again. I had an Achilles problem, and I had a hamstring on the other uh, leg. And so the rest of 2018 was gone. And 2019 comes around. I ran my marathon in April. Um, and then um, you know, in, I, I came back too quickly for Boulder to ball at the end of May. And then on June 22nd, um, I was diagnosed with a stress fracture on the 24th, actually, uh, after my MRI. And, uh, of course, for the first time, you know, I was told that I needed six to eight weeks off. And to me, I was...
0: Where did you have your stress fracture?
3: Uh, uh, My right femur. Oh, wow. I'm like, I went from not having any bone injury and then, bam, I just injured my big bone. I mean, it's like, how weird is that? I mean, I like to think that I'm somebody who is very durable. Mm-hmm. But these last couple of years have taught me otherwise. Um, and so the first uh, day I worked, I went on a, a, a marathon of uh, watching Grace Anatomy, which was fantastic. Mm-hmm. But by the end of that day, I was very tired and I was about to lose my mind. I, and uh, mm-hmm. I came back to New Mexico because I, I spent uh, half my time in Flagstaff, Arizona. And then, uh, you know, I went and got yarn. And at the yarn store, I, I saw uh, crochet hooks. And I was like, maybe I can crochet. So I was actually going to make like a, like a bag for my partner so that when he goes he bikes he likes biking and to go to the coffee shop he can bring home burritos but then I stumbled upon a video of how to make hats and I started making hats and I got so excited about it and I would stay up until like 1 or 2 a.m. just so I can make so many hats so when he gets up in the morning to go to work he can see how many hats I had made you know <laughs> and so my competitive side went to making hats and seeing how many hats I can make and I got better and then I figured out um a style that was fast to make and it was neat and I started asking, I'm like, what do you guys think on my social media? Do you think you could buy my hats and stuff? And some people were like, yeah, maybe. And then when fall came around, I had so many hats. In fact, I was freaking out that I had too many. But then people (laughs) started buying them and uh, November and December, you know, people really bought my hats, you know, for like the holidays and I couldn't stop pushing
0: a focus when you were still off running. Like you were able to just like put that energy into like your hands.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. Yeah. And it was exciting to be able to make hats. Like, actually I forgot about running. Um, you know, I didn't think about mm-hmm. running cause then it was like, I hadn't not ran for like eight weeks before that. If I wasn't doing something else like in college, you know, I was injured, but I had school to focus on. Um, and so it really saved me, honestly, I think uh, in August, the beginning of August, um, I went to get my second MRI because I started running after six weeks and things kind of got worse or so I, I had a lot of pain and I thought I had re really injured it. And uh, the night before I went to do that MRI, I had so many thoughts going through my mind. I was like, I think I'm going to do this MRI. I'm going to come home and I'm told that I have another stress factor. So this is probably the end of my career. I, I mean, I was just being super dramatic, but they gave me the results that, you know, my um, my fracture had healed, but I still had swelling. And then I just continued to crochet, and uh, lucky enough, came back to running, ran New York. I went great, uh, but I kept crocheting, and I really love crocheting. I enjoy doing it, and I can... I mean, if I if you want on video, I'll be crocheting a lot, but I'm trying to be uh, mindful, I guess. <laughs> But I enjoy doing it and then um you know it's during like, the trials. <clears throat> uh,
0: activity.
3: Oh, yeah. yeah. And Dina mentioned about my itchy uh, shop uh you know uh during the race and it sold out so now I just have to catch up on orders and I'm I can't wait to continue to crochet. I my goal will be uh to have so many people wear my hats. And actually Molly all uh purchased one for her husband, I think that was last year. And when I saw her order, I almost lost my mind. I was so excited. Oh, I oh. feel like I got special
1: treatment. You were like, which color red do you want? I have this one. I have this one. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Very,
3: um, like, made oh, it's for me. But, but yeah, it it's, saved my running because I think without crocheting, I don't know what I would have done with myself. I probably would have made some uh, poor choices. I probably would have said, hey, you know what? I'm going to go have a baby.
4: I don't know <laughs> if you can actually
3: <laughs> decide to have a baby overnight. Well, but choice. yeah. I probably would have like, you know what, it's not worth
1: it. I'm just going to quit and all that, but You're coaching like, really yeah. safe. I need a project that's smaller than baby
2: but <laughs> TV. Not sure. time
1: consuming. Yeah, One sure that allows me time to get back. Yeah, <laughs> oh, and uh,
2: uh, Speaking of babies, do you make baby sized
3: uh, hats? Oh. oh my god, I, I was thinking something different when you asked that. I haven't met baby sized <laughs> <I laughs>
2: okay,
3: okay. <laughs> No, I, uh, I have only met kids but I would love to make baby sized hats as soon it's as great. I'm, um, okay, I'm done with this you because, because I would love to be able to uh, you know sell it People who love to have it for their babies. So yeah. I haven't gotten that far yet, Alicia. My kid
2: has uh, a really small head, so we'll have to <laughs> we'll have to figure that out. Uh, yeah,
3: sometime yeah.
2: soon because I'd love to support you. So oh, yeah, what's the link? Can you can you uh, tell uh, us so what the link is uh, and then we'll
3: put okay. it in the bio as well. So it's a Resiliency Beanies on Etsy. Really, like if you go to my Twitter account, actually, you might be able to get um, you know, like I have a link to that to my shop there, but there's nothing on my shop right now. It's oh. sold out. so mm. Yeah congratulations yeah. that's awesome yeah that's yeah awesome. I feel, all right I very powerful right now because i'll be patient position. and wait for it to be
2: restocked yeah but yeah. I, I like love.
1: that you you're you found something creative to do and in, in yes. during a time when you could easily have gotten kind of depressed and bummed and instead this came out of it so that's a good lesson for people
0: yeah which i would recommend for people who are injured right now because you know a lot of athletes go through injuries and it can be very 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 hard and very very challenging um you you found crochet. crocheting is there anything else that you know could you speak to that a little bit could you maybe put up some tutorials
3: or something on how to do oh, it yeah. i am horrible at teaching people i am um, i found out that i'm very controlling and if i'm trying to teach someone i'll end up doing it for them mm. <laughs> But uh, I also uh, like uh, last summer um, for the first time I, ha- I had a garden. So I grew corn um, and I'm going to have a garden again this year. And so I guess to my friends, you know, because it's uh, being injured is inevitable. I actually have uh, I, like given people unsolicited advice. I'm like, hey, do you want me to teach you how to crochet? And I'm like, <laughs> oh gosh, not everybody can crochet. But yeah, like I think finding a passion that uh, a hobby that, you know, makes you passionate about it is good. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you can share that hobby with other people even better because like again like for me like being able to uh have so many people have wear my hats makes me very happy it makes it that much more um useful and it motivates me to continue to crochet so yeah like finding a hobby if you're injured or even right now you know with the situation that is happening right now like it's very easy to be anxious and not know what to do but if you can find something else that hopefully takes your mind away, it doesn't always take your mind away completely, but something that to get excited about, uh, it's good. And, and really, in the grand scheme of things, it's like sports and everything is, in the grand scheme of things, it's not that big of a deal, right? I, and I know that it's our job, um, you know, like it, it's hard not to be able to uh, run a race and make a living. I know that a lot of us will struggle, you know, uh, to pay our bills because. You know, a lot of people are targeting, you know, spring marathons and uh, summer racing, things that may not even happen. Mm-hmm. And if you're someone who doesn't have a sponsor, what do you do? What mm-hmm. I have done in the past is I got myself a job. I, um, I used to work as a caregiver. Another thing that was very fulfilling for me because I was able to help, you know, people, the elderly at their homes. And it made me very happy to know that I was providing services and helping someone who couldn't otherwise do it. And at the time, it made me feel like I, w- I wanted to do Things the way I would love someone to do for me, you know, when I get older, like thinking about my parents, you know, like if I had someone helping them, I want them to be able to help them like I was helping, you know, other people's parents. And I created really good relationships from that. Like some of my clients, children uh, were cheering for me during the trials, like they became a family. And all of a sudden I have a family in New Mexico now that care about me so much Mm. because I was caring for their parents and grandparents. And so that's awesome. Like if you can find a job that is fulfilling like that, or even volunteering, something that makes you feel like you're being useful, Mm -hmm. whatever that means. I think that's a good thing. It's a good perspective. It's like, you know, it's not like running or nothing. There's so many things that you could do. And again, remember why you run. For me, even if it wasn't my job, I need running to stay sane. I literally needed, like yesterday I was crushing, and I was like, I got to go around. I'm losing my mind. And I came back and <laughs> cheerful. I was like, no, if that's mm-hmm. even a thing. Oh know? yeah. I totally understand.
2: <laughs> Yeah, <Okay>. um, <laughs> You shared so much with us and we're just so thankful to be able to have this time with you. I'm so grateful that I was able to get my son down so I can catch up on this conversation. I was really excited about. And, um, you know, again, across the board, you've just shared so much that so I've gotten to know you so well in these last 45 minutes. Um, but I want to let you know the purpose of this podcast is so that we can help better tell the stories of women athletes whose stories aren't otherwise being told, um, especially, you know, as we don't, women do not get as much media coverage as our men get, not even, uh, you know, 4% of media coverage is for our women. And we saw that uh, play out in the trials. I don't know if you got to watch back from the trials or you heard kind of what the biggest complaints were, but... Uh, you the women's coverage was not great at all so i want to ask you what part of your story you know do you think needs to better be told i mean you shared a lot with us and what would you um yeah what what do you want to share with us that we can follow along with and uh, let us know where to follow you and where to kind of keep up with uh, miss (laughs) alafine
3: i mean so much of my identity is running but you know i am more than a runner i am somebody who um whenever I can, whenever I'm not too lazy, I like to interact with my community and, <laughs> uh, you know, offer support. Like, I guess just I want people to relate with me first as a human being, as this person who loves crocheting, who loves gardening, who who grew up from a big family, who had to go through a lot of challenges. Something that I don't usually talk about uh, from my community is When I was a little girl, um, you know, like, uh, I don't know if you guys have heard about uh, genital mutilation, basically circumcision for women. Um, You know, like when I was growing up, everybody around me, like my village, uh, you know, the girls, if you got pregnant, you were circumcised before you had a baby and then you were married off whether you liked it or not. That is something that I was able to escape because of running. I was able to escape, you know, uh, being circumcised or being married uh, off early because of education and really because of running because, I mean, my siblings, uh, especially my older siblings, um, my older sister didn't really like graduate from even like eighth grade. She uh, got pregnant when she was in seventh grade and, uh, you know, she was circumcised and she was married off. Um, She never had opportunities that I have. And there's a lot of other girls like that in my village. And so I want people to know that, you know, when you see me running, the first thing shouldn't be, oh, she's taking our spot. You know what? You don't understand. You don't know what I have been able to go through. Just knowing like I was the, f- the only girl uh, from my village, uh, like of all the people that I studied school with, I was the only one that graduated from high school and and still going strong. Actually, no, I think there was two of us that studied school at the same time. The only two of us that graduated uh, from high school. Most of my friends that I studied school with didn't even finish eighth grade. They were married off. They were circumcised mm. and they were married off when they were young. And so it's like, no, I am here and I'm grateful. I never take this for granted, but being able to go back and being able to inspire those little kids, because again, it's very remote. It's still remote even though we've had a lot of changes happen these last 20 years. There's still people who need to see role models. And how do I become a role model if I don't do what I am doing right now, if I didn't have this opportunity? And so, like, I want people to see me and and I want people to be able to read about my story before Mm. they can judge, like, they can pass judgments and say this and that. Like, I, you know, I just want people to know that we've been able to, I've been able to overcome a lot and I'm grateful for those challenges because it's made me who I am today. And I want people to relate with me, not just as an athlete. I'm a normal human being. I, I hurt, like, If you write something that is negative about me, it's hurtful. Mm -hmm. And think about that, like, put yourself in that shoe of that person before you say hurtful stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. Wow, thank you. Thank you. you
1: have shared so much with us, and you are a great role model to the girls back in Kenya to see what they can aspire to, and you are a great role model for people in the U.S. because you are... um, Really like a great representative for athletes. You've done a lot with the sport. And, um, I just think both countries are very proud to
2: look up Mm to Yes, Thank Thank you you for
1: talking to us. Thank you for sharing that with us. Um, and we wish you best of luck on the uh olympic team we hope things go smoothly the next few months and i hope i
3: can join you on the track (laughs) yes yes absolutely and thank you ladies for having me i think i have been wanting like I, i don't listen to podcasts as much and i texted molly yesterday and i'm like she's gonna lose her mind she's like this girl needs to get off my phone but like I started listening to you guys' uh, podcast uh, from the beginning, and I really loved listening to it. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of things that you talk about that affect women, that affect women athletes. All those things that you've talked about, it inspired me. I listen to your podcast more than any other podcast that I that I'm not a part of. And so even before the trials, I was like, I hope to be a part of that podcast one day. And Molly one day was like, you have a great story. I'm like, honey, no, I don't have any story to tell you yet. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you for having me. I I mean, you guys are doing a great job and continue doing this, continue uh, telling more stories about these women, that their stories are not being told that they don't have the platform to tell their story. I think you guys are making, you know. However small change you're making, it does have a greater impact on us as, you know, athletes. You guys are role models, you know. I mean, you're great. And, um, yeah, I appreciate that you gave me the opportunity. Yes. well, uh, Thank you so much. Thank Thank you.
1: People are going to benefit from hearing you talk today. And um, I think you shared some really impactful things. So thank you and congratulations, Alphine. Check out Beanies. Follow Alphine and um yeah, thanks for giving us your hour today.
2: Thank <laughs> you.
0: No
4: problem.
2: Thank and you. don't Thank forget you. to check out her Etsy shop. Thank you, you guys can. for keeping track.
3: Bye, ladies. Thank Bye, Bye. Keep checking.
4: Keep checking. <laughs>
3: track track
1: Your shoutouts to What Cheer Writers Club Podcasting Studio, a nonprofit supporting Rhode Island's content creators and where Roshin and I record, and to Rudy Nakashima for our funky outro song. Thanks guys.
4: Hey there, my name is Michael Laminato, and this is Pit Pass F1